What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 15 DSF MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my host, Mr. John Daigle, Mr. Pat Corain. Gentlemen, welcome to Week 15. How are we feeling? Well, I was going to let Corain... We're that, ex- we're that excited about I was going to let Corain no. speak first, but sure. Well, I, I think I somehow I had the YouTube video of our show up. So I started hearing TJ like again. And I was, and it was like, this is gonna break my brain. I can't. Oh, so yeah. like, I was hunting desperately to close out the YouTube okay, tab. Right. And then I was like, I really hope Daigle speaks up right now. And then he did. Well, we are off to a swimming start. Um, as redraft, <laughs> as redraft comes to a, a playoff uh, uh, halt, and, and and people start uh, filtering out of redraft. I mean, our season is ramping up. We got extra slates. We got Saturday slates. We got Monday slates next week playoff best ball so i mean things are hectic for us come december so i mean uh the 15 main slate is just one of our um morsels speaking of that saturday slate um if you're interested in playing the three game slate on saturday we have a full write-up on the site right now at four for four uh game by game breakdown with ownership projections with leverage scores and we have a showdown article for all three games so if you're playing tomorrow Everything is up on the site, but for our purposes here, we are focusing on the another weird 10-game slate for week 15. Uh, one of my least favorite things in DFS, we got the split, the seven-game early, three-game late, and like all the scoring is in the late game. So this is going to be a pretty funky slate. Uh, before we get into it, just want to remind everybody that if you want to join us through the Super Bowl with the DFS subscription, you can can do so by saving 25% off the already lowered price of $24 on the DFS sub by using the promo code YouTube when you sign up at 44.com slash plans. And of course, once you do that, you can upgrade to the solver optimizer and get all the 444 projections automatically synced to the solver. Uh, Corrine, as I mentioned, I know we are uh, quite busy this week. You're into the play in the playoff best ball streets uh, walkthrough still coming for us, but anything you want to preview before we get into the slate here from the walkthrough this week? Yeah. So the walkthrough is not yet published. Normally it's published by this time. It will be published later today. Um, and the reason is that we're doing playoff best ball content over at legendary upside. So if you're into that, would recommend heading over checking out the premium podcast content we got for you over there, plus some written content from Sacrilegious, a kind of a guide to how to attack the format. Uh, we'll have more stuff rolling out next week on playoff best ball. But from the walkthrough, um, well, I, to be honest, I think from a slate perspective, I'm, I wanted to ask you about uh, the way this is set up because it feels like, although I normally agree with you that I don't love the, the three late, there's lots of late swap opportunities late so is the seven early three late actually kind of kind of nice here because it's not like we don't have late swap guys um i mean my my thought on it is that the seven early three late is not ideal just because like we don't even really have an early scoring game like if we had a a game that we could (laughs) lean on and try to go contrarian there and then try to figure out like where we are at going to late games like sure but i mean I, I haven't done a ton of building yet, but I mean, I'm assuming there's going to be a ton of lineups with like only two early players. So like everybody's going to have PMR left just because Bills, yeah. Cowboys, Rams, Commanders, Niners, Cardinals are all late. Um, I mean, like the only game that like, 
I guess maybe we can attack early uh, that a lot of people won't be on as, as Pax Buccaneers. So like, you know, I, I guess if there's that's if one that we, jumps if, out to me too. Yeah, I guess if we hit on like skinnies from there, um, then maybe we can like stay on truck late. But yeah, it's there just really aren't early games to to target. So it's kind of funky. It is. It's definitely um, funky. When I was writing at the walkthrough, it was like, I this is there's not a ton of games to kind of dive deep into. Like I was just kind of given the, okay, here's, you know, the breakdown. There wasn't like a ton of like real meaty stuff until I got to the late part of the slate. And I was like, okay, like we, this is some interesting stuff, some interesting matchups here. So I, I agree. I think just in writing it, cause I write it up chronologically, the, you know, the, the most interesting matchups are all in the, the after the late afternoon part of this. Uh, yeah, let's jump right into it, starting with Bills versus Cowboys. Uh, this game is tied for the highest total on the slate with 50.5 points. As we mentioned, late kickoff, 425 p.m., latest window possible. Uh, Bills favored by two at home with a 26.25 total. Cowboys sitting at 24.25 implied points. Um, on NFLweather.com, it's saying definite rain with winds around 17 miles per hour. So um, as we always say here, that is, uh, you know, cause for concern, but those things are always baked into the projection. So let's just be sure not to double count. Let's start Karain on the bill side. Uh, I mean, when Josh Allen is so expensive, it's always, you know, can we pay for the expensive quarterback with the bills? It is nice that we do have cheap options we could pair him with. The interesting thing about Josh Allen on this slate is obviously Mahomes hasn't been playing, you know, as well as we expect from Mahomes. Um, We don't have Jalen Hurts on the main slate. So Josh Allen is, at least on 4-4, he's projecting five points clear of the field. So when we have that big of a gap in projection with one player versus the rest of his position, it always makes me want to pay up for that player. And this seems like a really good spot to do it. Um, The question with Josh Allen is, who do we stack him with? Uh, obviously, got cheap cheap options outside of Diggs, but when it comes to Diggs, I mean, he might be four to five times um, fewer lineups than CD Lamb on the other side. So, how do you feel about the Bills side, Karen? I mean, when I like before looking at salary and stuff, and I just like look at the way I think this game would play out. The guy that intrigues me is James Cook, but I don't love him on DraftKings. Um, 6,300, I, I, you know, the opportunity cost the running back spot. I, so that's not ideal. And then don't has some interest. He's pricier than I would like, but that's honestly, that's probably the way I would lean. Although the other thing is you could do like double bring back Ferguson um, as one of those. So getting tight end taken care of with Kincaid isn't even like necessarily that helpful because, because Ferguson's also interesting. So I don't know. I'm struck. I'm struggling with this. I don't have a great answer from a, from a game perspective. I, I really like cook's involvement in the passing game recently, them getting the ball out quickly, I think will be a point of emphasis. So uh, Kincaid and cook are the most interesting in, in real life, but the salaries make it difficult. Yeah, you froze for a second there, but yeah, it sounded like Kincaid was a guy you were you were leaning on there. Um, outside of the the ancillary Gabe Davis, who is just a com- absolute true coin flip every single week at this point. Uh, Daigle on the Dallas side. I mean, after Buffalo's struggles at four for four, we use a rolling ten week window for schedule just a fantasy point. So now Buffalo ranks 
outside the top 20 and schedule adjusted points to every single position. We should get moderate ownership on CD, moderate ownership on Tony Pollard. Um, on FanDuel, Tony Pollard's pretty cheap, so he might be chalkier there. But like compared to the mega chalk running back, Zeke and Kyron Williams, like Pollard is is pretty approachable as far as his ownership. Um, at the same time, outside of CD Lamb, we're not going to get a lot of ownership on deck because he's basically the same price as Josh Allen, and his secondary options aren't going to draw a lot of ownership. So I mean, are we thinking Dak doubles here? Are we thinking Pollard has pivot off the mega chalky guys on DK? Or, or is there some hidden downside in this matchup that maybe we're not accounting for? I'm worried about the matchup overall, just because it's not like the Bills have showed us anything to be excited about under Joe Brady. They've just done things a, a little different. Like we now have, after talking about James Cook last week, we now have 27 running back targets in all for these running backs under Joe Brady the last three games. At the same time, though, like Sean McDermott still plays a factor in that James Cook was quite literally the only player for Buffalo doing anything at all against the Chiefs last week in the first half, and they essentially benched him in the second half. Um, even gave Ty Johnson and Latavius Murray four combined targets to Cook zero in the second half overall. So I don't want to trust James Cook either. When I rolled the cards last week, I had 5%. Uh, in every large field, small field tournament with him felt amazing, especially after what he did in the first half. But man, like Sean McDermott's such a moron who prefers to talk about 9-11 that I don't know what else to do with James Cook, honestly. So I prefer to honestly almost ignore this game entirely while everyone else chases it. Tony Pollard may seem a little bit sexy because the last three weeks we have 19, 23, and 23 touches for him. But even then, you're always left feeling like you missed something because Rico Dallas is a little bit involved. Tony Pollard, the, the yardage total is still very bad because we've all tempered our expectations for him based on how we drafted him early in the offseason. So I don't know, man. There's just something here outside of CeeDee Lamb where I'm not too excited to play anyone. Yeah, I mean, even with Pollard getting some touchdown aggression the last couple of weeks, he still hasn't had that like ceiling ceiling game. Um, so it's not like he's so cheap that uh, you only need like fifteen to twenty out of him. Uh, so I mean, it's we we just haven't seen it there. Uh, he's also I mean, not like I hate that I have to compare him to Joe Mixon now, but it's like he's not. It's he's kind of like giving us that level of sort of inefficiency. Or like Zach Moss the last couple of weeks kind of thing, but it's like hey, he's getting ninety percent of the carries, but he's not. Pollard isn't getting 90% of the carries now. So he's like more like 50, you know, 55. So one that's, what's annoying about the Saturday slate is that these bad inefficient running backs now touch based options are in a three game slate. So I have to fade these Joe Mixon's and Zach Moss's of the world who haven't done anything, but if they score a touchdown, they still bury me on Saturday. So that's going to be fun to watch my slate and lineups in early based on their 40 yard totals at the end of the day. But Two for this game, there are some like X and O's matchup based premises too, because the Cowboys are one of only two defenses to run man coverage and over 40% of snaps. And logically, because Josh Allen doesn't have anyone who can separate against man coverage, he's been terrible against man this year 20th in both completion rate and yards per attempt against man scheme. So that's not exciting. And then for Dak. They just got done, the Cowboys, with three consecutive games at home and the most comfortable schedule possible. Even against the Eagles, they had the second half off because they just kicked their ass up and down the field the first half. But now you're traveling cross-country against the Bills who are desperate to make the playoffs in the cold, on the road. Their fans are jumping through tables on fire for the first five hours of the game. Like I don't know, man. This doesn't seem like a good environment at all, quite honestly, for fantasy. 
The yeah. other thing is that the, the Cowboys, after their bye, were super pass-heavy, right? But they mm-hmm. haven't been – that was a month ago, the last time they went ultra-aggressive with, like, a super high pass rate of expected. They've, they've been, like, kind of normal over the last four or five games. So uh, I don't I don't trust – it's not like I think they're going to be run-heavy or anything or even run first, really, but I don't have the same, like, confidence that they're going to come in and just, like, hit them. The way you know they—that's the way they were handling things, right out of that buy. But that seems to have cooled off a bit. I'd play to the Dak side if I had to choose one side. I'd prefer Dak, but honestly, I kind of just want to leave it on the table because it seems like the other games we'll talk about, whether it's onslaughting the 49ers, we—it's—it's uh, it's another week where we have to get 49ers touchdowns in there. I don't know how. It's kind of been the the lottery ticket of every single week is how are you going to play the 49ers through Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey? Take your choice. Someone's going to get there every week. Seems like another one of those slates, honestly, where if I have to fade CD lamb and Dak to get there fine, because the 49ers just going to drown everyone anyways. Yeah. I, I think um, if I'm on slotting this game, I like it from the Dak side because that means obviously it's getting pushed on both sides. And and like Corrine said, like they haven't been just like, stepping on the gas obviously josh can get there on his own as i mentioned projecting five points above the field um you could play naked josh you could skinny josh with a cheap player and hope you get the one there because him and stefan Diggs just take up so much salary um whereas if you're doubling dak like cd's getting there with dak Diggs isn't necessarily getting there with josh right so i think that's kind of the difference there um cash game notes josh allen is projecting as the best cash game play on Fanduel, right up there on dk uh cd lamb and jake ferguson both projecting his cash game plays on both sides tony pollard as i mentioned very cheap on Fanduel relative to the other running backs so he's in cash game consideration on Fanduel, but probably still don't get there um the other game projecting for 50.5 points and another reason we don't necessarily have to pay all the way up for bills and cowboys is because there's another game that's over 50 rams favored by six and a half against the commanders with a 28.5 team total commander sitting at 22 this is another four o'clock kickoff not 425 405 but still in the late window the problem with this game daigle is that everybody is going to be on the rounds everybody's gonna be on stafford even at kyron's high salary everyone's gonna be on kyron um uh demarcus robinson is projecting as like the chalk punt play puka and cup are going to come along with stafford in some regard so even though they're all projecting well, they're not crazy expensive. Kyron's pretty expensive on FanDuel. How do we get unique on the Ram side? Do we just like onslaught them? Um, do we play Kyron and Stafford in the same game? That seems pretty bad to, to me. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Ram side with this crazy ownership? You can definitely play all four of the big pieces. I think we're going to lose Demarcus Robinson as a viable player people will still play him because they'll box score hunt from last week's 10 targets. But with Tyler Higby back in the mix, it does definitely take away relevant target share. Uh, so yeah, that's important. Actually don't mean to cut you off, but everybody's going to be looking at two, out and being like, Oh, Demarcus, but like Higby back too is a big difference, right? Like that, pretty that's big. A yeah. Big deal. So I think you can play all four. We're probably just going to have to end up picking either Stafford or Kyron Williams or, if you told me to pick like one of the receivers, I think in this in this case, since last week Cooper Cup, it could be a renaissance where he's bouncing back. But or you could just say that was one game and we got away with it and let's move on from there. So maybe even Stafford, Puka, and Kyron are the three to get there. But definitely going to play all of it. I think it's interesting that on the year, 
the Rams have the second highest run play rate with a two score lead. They are not teams putting away other teams by the passing game. They are running the ball heavily. And now we have Kyron Williams, who's back at full strength, has outtouched Royce Freeman 52 to four over the last two games. So Kyron's definitely a piece I'm willing to eat. Whether I play Stafford and Pukulam, I'm not sure just yet. But Kyron, absolutely, like a lot of the field, one of my favorite plays on the entire slate. Yeah, the on, on Fandle, Puka, and and Cooper are basically the same salary, so I, I think they should probably both project in, in points and ownership similar, similarly there. My guess and maybe my hope is that with the $500 difference on DK, that optimizers and Sims just give so many more lineups Puka with Stafford that maybe we get single digit cup. And like, I think that's the only way to get unique with that $500 difference. I hope, I don't know if that's how it plays out. Like, you know, it, it's, I, I've, we've shot ourselves in the foot a, a lot of times this year on this because ownership projections have been pretty wonky. Um, but with that $500 difference, like, you know, if Puka is 19 and, and, and cup is seven, like, whew, let's go. Right. That's the only way to, to really get, get unique with Stafford. I think. I mean, that would be a gift. You know, I think Puka's profiles look like look stronger now, but sure. Cup's been kind of dealing with an injury, playing through it. And he, I mean, last week, I don't know that I feel that much better about like Cup, but I just, it was a reminder right on that touchdown throw. He's got such a connection with, with Stafford. And if he's like, if Stafford goes nuts in this matchup, it kind of feels like Cup is the engine of that. I mean, I know Puka could be too, but. If you're if you're gonna give me like a big big ownership discount, um, from especially from Kyron, you know, um, but but maybe even from Puka too, I like yeah. that. The, the we have only, them. The only thing is Stafford's going to be the cash game quarterback on right. both sides, right? Yeah, yeah. and but, it's a, for hmm. me. I'm only gonna have literally three quarterbacks in my pool this week. There's only three guys I want to play the entire slate, so it's pretty easy for me. But Gosh, I don't want to chase, you know, 40% Kyron, even even more in small field, and then 20-plus percent Matthew Stafford. Uh, it seems like we'd only have like a 2v2 to get unique on tournaments, and that, and that has won before this year, but I'm skeptical of that. Yeah. So Kyron I mean, is going to be the cover boy to walk through just because he's in such an amazing spot. Um, so I'm not out on Kyron at all. But I do think there's a point at which – Ownership wise, I would get off him. Like I don't think he's like, because he's you know fairly expensive. So yeah, I mean, you know, if he's just going to be like the, the thing about Kyron is like obviously everyone's not just going to play the chalk running backs, but like Kyron's going to get spit out in all the lineups because Zeke's cheap, and then he, Kyron is so much cheaper than CMC that like it's just going to give everybody Kyron over CMC. So like. Zeke and Kyron are probably both over 30%, like easily. That's the problem. And another thing is that it's a very good running back slate. That's kind of why I don't want to play Zeke at all, is that you can find someone with a higher ceiling quite easily that's going to get lost, whether it be Rashad White, Derek Henry, Bijan Robinson. We talked about Tony Pollard. Someone in this range is going to get lost in the shuffle, and that's yeah. kind of the player I think I'd be most interested in. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the Zeke stuff shortly. Um, right now on DK we have um Puka like slightly ahead of Cup in the ownership tier. Demarcus Robinson's up there too, but obviously that could change with Tutu's health. Um, with some other guys, um, so, some other pump plays maybe being active here soon. So, uh, 
keep an eye on ownership projections for the Rams game uh, leading up to Sunday. Crane, one on. Thing, oh, go ahead. Just one thing uh, on if you're trying, you know, if you're thinking I'm going to get off Kyron um, and play this through the passing game, you know, it, you know, going to double it or triple it or you know, right, really play it through the passing game. I generally agree with what Daigle said about this Rams team leaning toward the run, but my read on it is that they're trying to deal with the fact that they don't pass protect well. Mm-hmm. The commanders cannot get to the passer. Yeah. So there is a chance that they do actually just light them up through the air this week. It would not be like typical Rams, but this is not a typical matchup. Um, let's talk about the Washington side, Corinne, because I mean, to me, it would be like a, a pretty obvious pivot to Howell because we've seen Howell's rushing. We've seen him have some ceiling games uh, as a leverage play off this past game off Kyron, but he's going to get ownership too because he's cheap. Um, so we're not really getting a, a ownership discount if we play Howell. Some of his pass catchers will probably be loan, but we've learned that we can't really trust any of them. Brian Robinson is going to be out. Antonio Gibson is going to get at the very least all of the passing game work um, leverage with Gibson off of like basically everybody in this game. How do you feel about that? Or like, do we think like maybe even he gets a little bit of steam just because he's cheap and Robinson's out? I think he gets a little bit of steam because people want to go to this game. And if you're yeah. going to bring back, if you're going to like not do Kyron, if you're going to go Stafford doubles, um, if we, you know, if we get the Marcus Robinson, especially, and then you go Antonio Gibson coming back, like that feels fairly comfy because yeah. you don't want to play. What do you got? What else are you gonna do? Logan Thomas or something like Curtis right. Samuel, like none of that feels that good. Yeah. I don't like the Washington side. Um, I think you got to figure out a way to get unique on the Ram side. Um, again, uh, a lot of it's going to depend on, on two, status. Sounds like Higby should be a go. I mean, maybe Higby is the guy we need, but, um, as, as far as the, Popular cash game level players, Stafford, Kyron, Demarcus Robinson, assuming Tutu is out, um, Sam Howell, Antonio Gibson are all going to be cash viable or on the Washington side, like fringe cash viable, especially Gibson if you need to save salary because uh, we're not going to be able to fit Kyron and CMC together in cash games. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their Prize Pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize Picks even offers end game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com slash DFSNVP and use the promo code DFSNVP to match your first deposit up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Speaking of CMC, uh, going to the Niners with the highest total on the slate, 30.25 team total favored by 12 and a half against the Cardinals in a game with a 48 point total, but Niners carrying most of that total. Uh, Crane, we saw last week, finally, like all of the pass catchers got there last week for the most part. Uh, like they didn't all go nuclear, but we saw all of them go over 15 DK points. 
CMC with Zeke being available, he's going to be chalkyish again, at least chalky for his salary. So like 20 DK points isn't getting it done for us with CMC at whatever, 9,600 and, and 25% ownership. Like we need 30 plus, 20 plus isn't really doing it. So is that we've talked so much on this podcast about Purdy doubles, including CMC. Is this finally where we go like Purdy doubles without CMC or is the matchup just too good against this Cardinals run defense? The matchup is so good. Um, now I could I could see going Purdy doubles without CMC. I mean, Purdy IU Kittle is interesting because uh, you, the Cardinals also don't have a pass rush, and so I think you know some of the Debo stuff in recent weeks has been you know partly because they it's been a little bit more of the quick passing game, mm-hmm. and um, also Debo's really good. So, but you know, they're going to be able to attack downfield against the Cardinals and Brandon, Ike leads the NFL in open score and he's their primary downfield weapon. So like, I, I like Brandon, Ayuk this week. Um, I like George Kittle this week. The problem is that CMC, like they're going to, they had a 45% pass rate against the Cardinals last time they played. That's the second lowest of the season. You can run all over the Cardinals. CMC scored four touchdowns the last time he played this team. Like they're going to, uh, they're going to have a lot of success. Period. And then it's just like, does enough of it flow to CMC to pay off a super high price tag and and beat the other you know big chalk running back in Kyron Williams? It's tough to say, but I think there's a pretty good chance it does. Um, pivoting off of that to Purdy is not super it's not like you know everyone's priced up now so it's not it's not like that's a cheap option especially with Kittle as an expensive tight end so i think it's viable for sure but my lean is towards cmc here of the 49ers pieces i mean it's just such a sweet matchup for the running game yeah purdy is what the qb3 on fanduel and the qb he's up there on he's not expensive DK. enough on draftkings he needs to be yeah, He's cheaper. Yeah, he's down as like the QB. Yeah, seven on DK. So like, on on Fanduel, it's like he's way up there. Um, I think you should just DK, keep play- a little more palatable. Just keep playing it based on ownership. Like if the field wants to yeah. try to soak up 49ers touchdowns by McCaffrey, you go to Purdy through the air. That's yeah. it because they're equal. It's an easy matchup for everyone involved every week. They are literally matchup proof. So you just play it that. And this, way. I mean, they're matchup proof, but this is an awesome matchup. You know. It's an um, yeah, it's an amazing matchup. I mean, it's the same one Stafford and Joe Flacco have looked great against the past couple of weeks. Um, Purdy this last game as well. McCaffrey did have the four touchdowns, but Purdy completed 20 passes in a row and averaged 13 and a half yards per attempt. He just didn't get the touchdowns. What if he gets the touchdowns now? It's that simple. So like last week I played Purdy just because it it, it was clear everyone was going to play McCaffrey in tournaments. You just you just Fight the ownership is all you do. You go opposite of everyone else because it's just as easy of a matchup for Purdy. Yeah, I mean, if we just break things down by like the high, the expected high scores, we got Josh and 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 this is just again on DK on Fanduel's pricing is funky, but Josh and Dak are expensive. Stafford's going to be mega owned. Like Purdy just kind of like stands out as the quarterback play for me this week. If you go Purdy, and let's say I do Ayuk and Kittle. Right, those guys are going to be pretty low owned. Um, what about McBride as a bringback? I know he's going to be fairly chalky, but yeah, I mean, I guess 
I haven't looked at what two tight end builds look like. McBride's going to be pretty chalky. Right. But my my Purdy double should be pretty low. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what's that's what's so funny is that no one is still trying to play Debo or Ayuk, the guys actually winning tournaments. Everyone's still trying to avoid them, and I don't know why. All they do no, is... No, I said Ayuk. Ayuk is... Would yeah. be, no, no, I'm not saying you in general, but oh. like their, their ownership checks in low every week, and all they do is yeah, in, yeah. in worlds. Even last week, you literally couldn't go wrong. Kittle had the 60 yards and a touchdown. Debo had 100-plus yards and a touchdown. Ayuk had 140 receiving yards. You could have picked 82, and you could have won the tournaments. It came and down to, to your point, Debo's not going to be owned either. Yeah, I think it's an Ayuk week just for the soft zone coverage the Cardinals play. They don't blitz. They literally stay back. That's usually the kind of routes that Ayuk wins out. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to man, that's when they get Debo more involved on rushes and whatnot to separate himself versus linebackers. But again, if both get there, it wouldn't be shocking at all. Diggle, I don't think there's any way we go contrarian Kyler, even though he is kind of in this like salary mix of where all, a lot of the chalky quarterbacks are. But with the chalky Trey McBride, it hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered what receivers have been active. It hasn't mattered who's been playing quarterback. McBride has just been getting his. But, I mean, it is worth noting Marquise Brown practicing. Michael Wilson expected to come back. Um, is there any dent in Trey McBride's projection with a full receiving core? I don't think so. Yeah. It doesn't help that it's a bad tight, it's a bad tight end slate every week. Mm-hmm. But – it's another bad one where most people are probably going to play Tucker Craft yeah. since we since we lost Dawson Knox with Dalton Kincaid going to play, and other than that, what everyone goes up to McBride or Kittle. So tight end is gross. People are yeah, going to play Chig and Tucker Craft out of necessity. Chig, yeah, I knew people were going to play Chig. It's just so because yeah. Chig's not even trust good. Kelsey. We're just playing a, for his salary. Uh, oh yeah, like the the Chiefs. I mean, you can't play any of them. Like we tr- yeah. we tried last year. That was f- supposed to be the Super Bowl. That's supposed to be the spot. It's just not the same Chiefs offense at all. Rasheed yeah, but Rice just as far as there. as far as tight end goes, like I mean, to to Corrine's point, I, I guess if we play Trey, you do double tight end with Purdy doubles. Like that's I I don't know how else to get unique with Trey. Like I don't, I don't want to playing him out there by himself. Definitely don't mind McBride. I can definitely see how he makes his way into lineups, but I don't feel like I need a Cardinal at all. Whether they respond or not, I don't even need them to push back. I think I'm going to get 30 points no matter what out of the 49ers. The nice thing about McBride is that he doesn't need, like they don't need to push back exactly. They just need to like throw. And the the 49ers are a huge pass funnel because everyone knows what's about to happen to you when you play the 49ers. So they actually... It's one of the few teams where like teams like get on board with like we're gonna have to put up points, we gotta be aggressive. And so they're going, they're going to shift to the to the pass. And uh Kyler Murray, you know, when he gets the ball out quickly, we're seeing we're seeing more passes to Trey McBride. Um, he's one of the guys that they go to under pressure. Uh so I think McBride will get targets. Like I, I feel pretty confident about that. Um, I don't love that everyone else is gonna be playing, but but as part and, of a bet on the game, I like it. And this is the time of year where like we should be a little more excited about these dome games, right? Because weather is starting to affect a lot of these games. We have weather in a couple games. So um in the Cardinals dome, um, you know, that, that gives us a, a little bit of boost on the Niners. Um Purdy, CMC, and McBride all projecting as cash game plays. Uh, we get a pretty big drop off um, after the 49ers in terms of team totals, but there's a couple more to talk about. So we'll touch on them um, as much as you guys feel necessary. Uh, starting with the Dolphins projected for 23.25 points, which again, 
on this slate after those other games, that's a relatively high total. That's why we're talking about this game. Usually wouldn't even make the cut, um, but favored by nine and a half against the Jets who are projecting for less than 14 points. Game total of only 37 points. Um, potential rain with like heavy wind. Uh, NFLweather.com is saying 24 mile per, in, per hour wind right now um, down in Miami. And Daigle, obviously the big thing we're writing for is Tyreek and Achan, uh, they were DNPs on Thursday. I didn't see what they were today, uh, but they are. I do know they're questionable. Um, Achan was limited practice. Tyreek was another DNP. So at the very least, even though like this game could be ugly and it is a tough Jets defense, like if Tyreek and Achan are out, and again, Mostert, I believe Mostert's on the injury report as well. But I mean, we could at the very least get like concentrated targets between Mostert and Waddles. So, like maybe that's interesting. But again, tough matchup, possible weather. Maybe we like stack Mostert with Dolphins DST. Like what 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 happens if Tyreek and Achan are both out? Just nothing. <laughs> the, you you play the Jets defense in yeah. cash. It's literally yeah, that yeah, easy. Sure. Uh, yeah. Tua is 35th in the league in yards per attempt under pressure this year. Not only that, but the first time Connor Williams, first of all, step back, their entire offensive line is missing. The Dolphins. It's a complete disaster right now in Miami. The first time their starting center, Connor Williams, missed against the Eagles. Jalen Carter, that's why Tua struggled so much. He ate him alive in that game. And then last week we saw Connor Williams leave, and Tua was under pressure on 46% of his dropbacks. Tua was not a player. The system is not one either that can deliver the same potency we've seen all year when Tua was under pressure and their offensive line is falling apart. And that's what's happening right now. So honestly, I don't even care. Like I'm hoping HM plays because I, I don't want to have to make decisions Sunday morning for most are getting every running back touch. I need there to be a committee. That way I can easily say I'm not interested in any of you because I don't think any of you have a ceiling in this game. And that's the way I'm leaning towards right now. What if Tyreek's active? He'll probably be low owned, which makes it more interesting, but I haven't wrapped my head around it. Cause I think CD play is a better play this week in a vacuum based on matchups anyways. Yeah. The, um, the interesting thing about just from a leverage perspective, uh, Corrine, is that Garrett Wilson is going to be owned. Um, he's not going to be sneaky by any means just because he is still relatively cheap. Um, some have, you know, pr- pretty, uh, decent game last week with Zach Wilson back under center. What stands out to me in this game, especially, I, I don't think dolphins cover nine and a half because of all the things Daigle just said, but if they do, Brees Hall leads all running backs and targets per game over the last six weeks. So, I mean, he could be a leverage play off of Wilson. Um, or maybe we could play them as a skinny together. I, I don't know. Uh, how do you feel about Brees Wilson um, in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think the Brees Hall, like he, his target share just like keeps going up. Um, he's he's kind of become like this sort of this one of the check down kings. I was actually looking at Travis Etienne when I was writing up the uh, the Sunday night game, you know, seeing, oh, wow, he's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of check down work. Brees Hall it was was um, not very top of that list, but near the top of that list as well. And um, so I think it's like it's partly, you know, kind of a, a symptom of the offense that isn't being able to push the ball downfield. Well, I think that you're going to run into that with this Vic Fangio defense, like Zach Wilson is going to be going to be struggling to get the ball downfield here. Um, and probably will have to settle for a bunch of really awkward looking check down throws. Like he, like he does a lot. So I, you know, 
it's a it's a good running back slate as Daigle outlined, and that makes it a little bit tougher to go to Brees. But I think this is actually a pretty good spot for Brees because the path has started to be through the air, and this does set up as a spot where um, they should be checking down a lot. Yeah, I like that a lot. If Wilson comes in at twenty percent, we get Brees at, at you know seven or eight on on DK specifically. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and I mean, if as Daigle said, Jets defense and stack it with the running back, like that's obviously a great stack. Um, and I, I think that's I, I don't think I'm touching Dolphins in, in no matter what, like Daigle said. Uh, I think as we briefly mentioned up top, one of the early games that could have some potential is Packers versus Buccaneers. Packers favored by three and a half with a team total of 23. 42 and a half game total gives the Buccaneers a total of 19 and a half. Uh, Corrine, the only problem with this game is that with Christian Watson out, we're going to get chalk on Jaden Reed and Tucker Craft as popular punt plays, but we still have other ways to go. Uh, we've got Dontavian Wicks. You can even go up to Romeo Dobbs. So, I, I think that against Tampa Bay's pass funnel defense, like this is the way we might want to get unique early, um, especially if we are pivoting off of those chalky plays. I mean, is is our love doubles in play? Does Wicks do anything for you this week? Wicks is Wicks is somewhat interesting. I think um, Reed is the guy that I'm most interested in, but even if he's super chalky, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Not really. <laughs> I want to I want to go to read but then you see oh everyone's thinking that um cuz it's there was a couple weeks ago where we could do like I think it was like Elijah Moore and David Njoku might have been Flacco's first start and I like mixed that in as like a as a piece uh or like a, a player block with other stuff like I didn't um I didn't do Flacco doubles and this is actually a spot where I could see doing that like you go craft read and then you you do it with a purdy thing or something it's it's going to be so chalky that i don't know that that makes a lot of sense but it that's the way it intrigues me it's it's tough because i i think some of these games you know could be quite high scoring like stafford's in a similar price range and set up really well uh purdy same thing so i'm a little bit hesitant to go to love but. So here's the difference, though. If Stafford and Purdy are in a similar price range, but you have to bring along expensive guys with them. With Love, you right. don't, and you could bring along some of the studs, especially if you want to like mini that Bills Cowboys game. So that's what's intriguing. Even though I said Brock Purdy is my favorite play, like if we're talking about building studs and like maybe you could fit CMC into your Love lineups, like that's how you get to a CMC CD lineup is in with Love doubles, you know. And I think you probably want to consider Wicks then because it's like right, your exactly. It's it kind of sucks to go because it's like, hang on, I can go love doubles and then I'll go kind of, you know, maybe I can fit Kyron and CMC if I do that. But now, like, you might be eating a ton of chalk if you've got Jaden Reed and Kraft on that. So I think you have to go. If I, I don't think you play CMC and Kyron together, I think you go one of them with like yeah. expensive wide receiver because CD will be owned but not crazy owned because people are paying up for running back and no one's playing digs. So I think it's like Kyron and digs together. Um, CMC and CD, those type of lineups, I think make more sense if you're playing love doubles. I prefer. Tucker Craft on DraftKings and doubles mm. just to kill the tight end with a cheap one since it's an ugly week. 91% of routes on Monday night. And on FanDuel. Would that, would that be with without Reed? Would that still be with Reed, though? With Reed. With Reed. Okay. I'm going to eat the Reed chalk. Reed now has okay. 
23.3% target share without Christian Watson on the field. Um, his, I don't know why they try to, I don't know why any team tries to turn their players into Debo Samuel. It's stupid because Jaden Reed's actually a good receiver. There's no need to do these dumb little carries and only give him one, one air yard every week. It's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Jaden Reed is getting the target share regardless of how mm-hmm. they use him. So he's a player I don't mind eating the chalk with on for his salary, given that his salary did not change because he played Monday night. But on DraftKings, it's Tucker Craft. On FanDuel, for me, it's Romeo Dobbs. Uh, I understand everyone's trying to yeah. make Dontavian Wicks a thing, mm-hmm. but Dontavian Wicks also hasn't been playable. Like, I still care about fantasy points. He hasn't been yeah. playable yeah. any given week. Uh, it's like yeah. Packers fans yelling, this guy's good. Great. I do not care because he's not actually helping me out like the pay mortgage. So who cares? Um, it's R- Romeo Dobbs who has touchdown equity and is still second on the team behind Christian Watson in both red zone and end zone targets. So on FanDuel, given his salary, I think the doubles are Reed and Dobbs for Jordan Love. Yeah, Dobbs is only 300 more than Reed on FanDuel. And of course, just like we don't necessarily have to find the punt plays on FanDuel like we do on DK. So um, that that really switches up the the calculus of our salary, especially at the position where on DK, it's it like really looks like a punt pass catcher week. So yeah, I, I like Dobbs. I agree with that um, assessment of the value between the sides. Daigle, stay with you for the Tampa Bay side. I mean, at this point, like Rashad White, especially since he's not like crazy chalky, he's just going to be, he's like middling salary, middling ownership, going to get a ton of work. Like you can just play him in any format you want if he fits, whether it's correlated or not. I, I, I'm i pretty sure that you are like on the Mike Evans train. He is leverage off of the Packers receivers and he's in the Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Brandon Knight salary range, except he's not going to get played. So I don't know if like we have to play him in stacks or we can just play him by himself. But Mike Evans like is kind of popping to me when we look at especially large field stuff. What do you think? I'm still so annoyed that I even called Desmond Ritter on the show. He throws for 375, runs for a touchdown, and I have 5% Mike Evans when the cards yeah, yeah, go yeah. as well. And effing 5% Mike Evans gets one catch for eight yards because oh, they bracket him the entire game. They double teamed him the entire game. Man, first time all year, too, that's happened. So that was unfortunate. But definitely all the confidence in the world going back to him. I yeah. wonder if he gets steamed a hair if Chris Godwin's I mean, ruled out. Godwin's a true game time call for this one. Has anyone cared about Godwin this year though? No, but I wonder if he's ruled out uh, what happens between Trey Palmer since this slate needs values outside of the Giants wide receivers and Patriots wide receivers and Mike Evans. Does everyone then go straight to Trey Palmer? Because I'd be really interested. Trey Palmer has been popping in Sims like the last few weeks, even with, with, I know some tournament players who keep playing him, even though like he has no ceiling whenever Godwin's out there. Uh, I, I bet they do. Honestly, I bet they play Trey Palmer instead, which would make me even more interested in Mike Evans, who would be a smash player. Yeah. If yeah, Evans at his 7,500 DK, um, 8,300 FanDuel, um, maybe on FanDuel where you can afford him. Maybe he's played a little bit more, but I think he goes, um, way under the radar. There's hopefully, I mean, uh, I don't know. I guess maybe if, if people are going crazy on the, Green Bay side, they get to Evans, um, but I don't think people just I go. Kind of doubt it. I, I don't think people go crazy on it just because there's such so many good spots this week. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking for like little mini correlations with a chalk piece, I would bet that like you'd see people go McBride and do like a 49ers wide receiver as opposed yeah. to 
Jaden and, Reed and Mike Evans would yeah, be my. Yeah, people aren't just yeah. jamming in eight K wide receivers for the mini. Yeah, so I think we should be fine. Um, the other big spread of the week, uh, again, the twenty-two point seven five team total for the Chiefs is decent for this slate. Wouldn't make the cut most weeks, but uh, favored by eight and a half at the Patriots, who are only projecting for fourteen point two five points in a game with only thirty-seven points, and probably the reason this game is most notable because Zeke is mega chalk. We will get to that shortly. But Daigle, let's start on the Chiefs side. Isaiah Pacheco is out, but New England is third in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Do we try to unravel the McKinnon Ceh? Um, uh, riddle, or do we just play the Chiefs' leverage against Zeke and not even try to mess with the Chiefs' offense? I think for the second week in a row, I'm just not interested in the Chiefs' running backs. I wrote the tournament article last week that I understand if it allows you, if CEH or McKinnon allows you to build your lineup the way you want to. Other than that, though, there's really no reason to play either. Uh, McKinnon just got the same usage he had last year where he did score seven receiving touchdowns from week 13 on, but he was doing it on 3.3 catches per game. And and obviously everyone then forgot that he made the playoffs and through three games didn't score a single touchdown because that's not sustainable. And it was the same garbage this past week. He scored a touchdown, but eight touches. You can't chase it possibly. Um, CEH had 14 touches, but again, CEH is not really someone who kills you either. He has to fall in the end zone twice to kill you. So I, I don't think I'm interested at all, honestly, in the running backs again. Yeah, shout out to um, late um, week inactives and and um, Taysom Hill being out and forcing us into jamming Camara because it saved us from CH and cash last week. So uh, that was um, completely not by me being smart. That was just by happenstance and was forced into making the right place. So we got lucky in cash there because I was on CH all week until the last minute. Um, Crane, is Zeke the worst chalk play of the week? of the year i think he would be but does gibson kind of steal enough to where he's not this big big chalk piece because i think everyone's got to feel gross you know i mean the hive mind is strong brother (laughs) if if demario douglas if demario douglas comes back like that (laughs) takes away from zeke's underneath targets for sure right Right. And he, he, I, I, he's back in our projections. I don't know if he's officially active. He was practicing. I, I think mm-hmm. he's still in the concussion protocol, but he was practicing at okay. least. Whereas the last two weeks, he wasn't practicing yet. Well, the that's thing the is, problem. He's not in a powerhouse. Like, right. If you're betting on Zeke, because Zeke stinks. So you're, you're betting on Zeke to just rack up receptions, right? Like, that's the yeah, play. I guess. Correct. I guess. He was even bad on the ground last week. It literally came down. Yeah. To his receiving work last week. So that's thin. Like Zeke, Zeke is like a, I mean, it's, it, it, people are treating him like he's Austin Eckler or something now. Like that's not, I mean, they're, they're treating it like the Zach Moss play. And even though Zach Moss crapped the bed in two weeks, like he was just an objectively better play given what we know about the two teams and the roles, right? Like it's not the same play and people are treating it like it's the same play. No, it's not. I mean, you feel way better about the Colts putting up points than about the Patriots. Like this is a Bailey Zappy offense. I, I guess I'm. I would be surprised if this holds because it's so. It's it's gross. <laughs> I would rather I'd rather just play 
since receiver is more pressing to find value than running back, since, as we've said time and time again in the show, running backs have many good plays this week, I would rather just play the Patriots receiver we think is going to lead in targets because it's been very clear that DeMario Douglas like led the team with a 30-plus percent target share before he got injured, and then Devontae Parker and Judas Schuster. it was Parker who then recorded a 37% target share. He got injured. And then Juju this past week in the Steelers led the team in the targets. So it just kind of, there's an obvious target tree to follow based on who's available. And that's what I'm going to follow. So, yeah, so that's more my question. Not if Zeke is good or bad chalk, because I think we're pretty universal that Zeke is very bad chalk, but it's, do we even need to get leverage off of Zeke on his own team? Or can we just play like Rasheed Rice Chiefs defense and not even worry about the Patriot side? You can definitely play Chiefs defense. Yeah. 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 I think you can just like, do whatever you can go. Just fail. don't even worry about Zeke. Like yeah. Zeke, it's yeah. Zeke. <laughs> don't even worry about the Chiefs either. Just move on. Yeah, yeah. You guys don't like Rasheed. You, you don't like Rasheed this week. No, I, I like. Rasheed. I mean, Bel- Belichick. Be Belichick sure. take Belichick taking away Kelsey split. Um, you know, with the running back backfield, Patriots have been good against running backs. Like, you know, Rasheed might Rasheed might yeah. mess around and no, get twelve I, or thirteen targets. His salary is still. Yeah, yeah, his salary is still more than palatable. Like. He had an 83% career route rate last week as well. We got the bump we wanted. Uh, Rasheed's out there earning targets for sure. Even if he's 20%, I kind of like him this week. He's he's valuable. Yeah. He's, he's still he pri- low-priced compared to his usage now, definitely. All right. It's Rasheed just such an is. ugly game because, like, neither offense has a ceiling. Yeah, so, I mean, I if we're not touching the afternoon games, is it like, is Packers Bucks like the clear early game we want to be playing? I love Packers Bucks. Yeah, I think it. so. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there, are there any, I mean, we, we touched on six out of the 10 games. Um, the only other ones left, we got saints versus the giants where we could get some chalk with one Dale. Um, we got Browns and, and uh, bears, which is atrocious uh, Titans and Texans with no CJ Stroud and Falcons and Panthers where you could get a 45 cent ticket. So do any of the other games stand out to you, Daigle? Giants and Saints is interesting. I bet a, I bet a couple of winning players comes from Giants Saints because it's going to come down to injury reports Sunday morning. If Taysom Hill practiced, Jamal Williams is questionable, and Chris Olave didn't practice, and it's a true game time call. Like if Chris Olave's out and Rashid Shahid's back, Maybe we get some chalky Rashid Shahid, and he'd be a good play, honestly. But also, the last time we saw Taysom Hill, and if Jamal Williams is out, those carries don't go to Alvin Kamara. They just also get Taysom Hill involved. And so then, like, Taysom Hill had a season-high 13 carries last game, plus two dropbacks and eight routes run. He's going to be involved heavily, even over Shahid. So I bet we get some confident play from the Saints based on their injury reports. And not only that, but on the Giants' side of the ball, the Giants shouldn't be six-point dogs. The Saints suck. So, like, now out of their bye, New Orleans is allowing over five yards per carry to opposing running backs. And here you have Saquon Barkley, who's not going to get played. He's an awesome play. Like, the, the Giants are going to win this game. He's an amazing play. This, I mean, uh, if, if Wandale gets played a lot, is, like, Saquon the leverage play here? Oh, not only Saquon. If you want to play Jalen Hyatt, too, totally fine. Because, again, we're only one game removed. Like, I understand Jalen Hyatt ran the second most routes, much more than Wandale this past week. But remember, before the buy, it was still Wandale who had the 25% target share, went over 100 yards, and he's yeah. cheaper than than Wandale. Um, Wandale, like the whole point is just to get your points at a cheap receiver, but he doesn't yeah. have a stealing. He's still just no. a little possession receiver. He's he's a cash game player. Uh, Karain, is is there 
anything else worth uh, touching on in this slate? It's it's. I mean, we don't even really have one-off players that are projecting well. Um, I mean, Nuke and Chig are projecting okay, but I think that just shows how weak the slate is. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really see anything as far as like team, you know, game environments. Yeah, I agree. When you um, have Davis Mills and all these other bums, like it's hard to get anyone there. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's really just going to come down to um, getting unique in the games we discussed. Um, you know that if you want to go contrarian early with Packers, at least you'll have some information on where you can pivot late. But um, yeah, I think it's a great day to um if you play early only gpps um you're gonna be able to do whatever you want because no one knows what the hell to do because all the scoring is in the late so if you play that seven game slate early uh you probably have a pretty big edge in it because no one wants to play those games um before we get to our favorite plays of the week i want to remind everybody about prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy go to pricepicks.com slash dfsvp use the code dfsvp for a first deposit match up to 100 we have a another three player pick them where you can five extra money starting with Dak prescott projected for 36 and a half pass attempts the cowboys have been one of the most pass heavy teams in the league since their bye week this is expected to be a shootout we are projecting Dak for more than 36 and a half pass attempts moving on to jerome ford who is projected for 42 and a half rushing yards has been splitting carries facing a very tough bears rush defense projecting for less than 42 and a half rushing yards and then antonio gibson we mentioned that uh he can get a lot of the work this week but if he gets done probably gets it done through the air so we're projecting him for less than 34 and a half rushing yards so again that three player pick them will five extra money at price picks don't forget to go to pricepicks.com slash dfsvp use code dfsvp for a first deposit match up to 100 price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy Corain, let's talk about your favorite quarterback of the week so the guy that I want to say are the two guys that you guys are going to talk about. So I, I said Jordan Love just to come back to that game. I probably don't end up playing Jordan Love, but one angle on it that we didn't talk about it was Aaron Jones. Um, he's going to be pretty low owns, and you could, I think, the the way to think about him, I think, is is, is him succeeding through the passing game. So I kind of I'm intrigued by him as as a as a potential stacking partner with love. If I was going to go with love, that's probably how I would do it. No one is going to be playing Aaron Jones at 6,500 on DK at 6,200 on Fanduel. Like maybe people get there because it's pretty cheap on Fanduel. But like, I mean, that does kind of open up the game. Like Jones taking a you know a five yard dump off to the house from 50 yards out. Um, obviously gets love there and that, that opens things up, but no one is going to play him. Uh, Daigle staying in that salary range. Correct. Because my three quarterbacks in my pool and I'm not going outside of it are the three quarterbacks we're talking about and love first. And then Brock Purdy again, I think everyone's going to come down and just play Christian McCaffrey in tournament. So to me, it's pretty easy pivot to play Purdy through the passing game instead to soak up the touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, Stafford is just the cash game quarterback. I, I mentioned earlier that Josh Allen is projecting well from a value perspective, but Stafford is so cheap relative to his projection. Washington defense is so soft. Uh, on both sides, Stafford is the guy that we land on in cash games. Uh, 
both of you guys have running backs in games we haven't touched on, so I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about your running back starting with Daigle. Because we don't need to touch on the game with Derrick Henry because Davis Mills is in it. Uh, no Nico Collins <laughs> or Tank Dell as well. It's not the same Texans we thought we were getting initially versus the Titans. Now it's a favorable game script for Tennessee, especially because Houston's defense the last six games has also their secondary fallen apart completely. They're bad. And so it just seems like a favorable game script for the Titans to run all over the Texans. Um, maybe that was inevitable this entire time for Derrick Henry to meet the to meet Houston and once again go for 200 yards. So Derrick Henry will be my pool. Right now we're not projecting him for high ownership, but I think he's going to be one of those players who gets steamed by Sunday morning. So it's something I'm going to watch for sure. If we were drafting Derrick Henry in best ball, it was with the eye on these three weeks. Houston twice in three weeks. Obviously, we didn't expect Houston to be this good, but it sets up Are damn they? well for... Are well, they this I mean, good with Davis well, Mills? No, no. I mean, like, as good as they were to uh, to this point. We were just expecting sure. them to be an yeah, absolute yeah. train wreck. But, um, I'm, but it's kind but, of funny because all of a sudden, they, like, as they, soon as Derrick Henry arrives, they turn back into the yeah. 2022 Texans. Yeah, man. Uh, so, you know, shout out to all those uh, BBM4 teams with Derrick Henry still going. Uh, Karain. Um, uh, the, the, the 45 cent game of the week. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was disappointed to see that Daigle took Henry. Cause I love that call. I think like overall, if we're like the slate from a macro perspective, we've got a, the interesting games are late, but also the chalk running backs are late. Like the big, big, I guess not Zeke, but the big, big, you know, chalk running backs and potentially Gibson being kind of medium chalk. So to me, I'm like, if I can find ways to, to get a running back that's a little bit different early, that's intriguing. And then Bijan Robinson's like in a great spot. He's playing the Panthers defense, which is easy to run on. Uh, they're, they've been a run funnel. They're dead last in EPL out per rush, the 32nd rushing success rate. And the issue for Robinson is like rushing uh, his share of the rushing workload. But like it's the Falcons. There's gonna, they're going to run a bunch. So the share when you can get them in favorable spots where they can actually you know control the game and play Falcons ball, which they'll be able to do against the Panthers, like he'll get enough. And he's been getting a ton of uh, work in the receiving game. He had six targets in week 12, five in week 13, seven last week. Like he's getting – he should have a, a good role in the receiving game plus like plenty of carries. He's a good player in a good matchup. And he helps you get different in a spot where I think that's kind of the way to play the slate. Yeah, he's not going to be like crazy on own. But again, when we have these two mega shot guys in, in Kyron and um, Zeke, and then the CMC should be up there as well, like 15 to 20% is a very palatable ownership. I don't know if they'll even get that high, but I'm just saying like anything in that range is is pretty damn okay for turn. Hopefully Daigle's right with the the Henry steam, and I and we can maybe even I mean, get what is is I even is Henry going to get steamed? He's going to get steamed. Yeah, I mean, when they the play the when they play the Panthers, the moment Silva mentioned him, he went to thirty percent by the time lineup slot. So I mean, we, there if, was if Silva calls it. That was also one of the worst running back slates of the year. That's true. But TJ, are you familiar it. with what month it is? December. Exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, goddamn! All right, the. <laughs> The cash game running back of the week is Zeke. As much as we said we hate him in cash games, like you just close your eyes, plug your nose, and play these plays in cash. Um, Discord fights me every week on these type of plays. 
we just play them. That's how we get over the cash line. That's how we profit. It's boring, but um, it nets money every single week, and we just keep doing it. Uh, Karain, your favorite wide receiver? Uh, Brandon Ayuk, which is just a way for me to say that I also like the the Purdy call. Yeah. Um, but I but I specifically think uh, you know I love Daigle's notes about uh, man coverage and or zone coverage in this case uh, for Ayuk, and I think just also time to throw you know, the ability to tack down fields, which, you know, hasn't been like a huge problem. Um, like last week wasn't like a huge problem, but they, they, it will not be a problem this week against the the Cardinals. Like this is the offense that like got the Rams back on track when they were like, you know, we can't, we can't protect Stafford. Like they could, they could against the Cardinals. So uh, this is a, a really high upside spot, I think for Brandon Ayuk. And it's also a pretty nice spot for George Kittle is a, is another downfield guy. I still have like 2015 DFS brain where if Debo was in the winning lineups two weeks in a row, he would be like a million percent owned and no one would be on IU, but there like nothing changes now. And people just like Debo still just not played and I should be a great leverage play, but he's not, but he's still a great play. Um, either way, uh, Daigle, another game that we haven't touched on much with a receiver that you like. Because Chicago Cleveland is probably going to be ugly weather. Not that it mattered for yes. any game last week. At the same time, though, for the Bears offense, it's a great matchup because the Browns are down to their third and fourth string safety. The Browns also have some injuries in their secondary and front seven around their safeties as well. Not only that, but for Joe Flacco, it's a terrible matchup, too. Like, I know we got by against the Rams and Jaguars, two of the softest spots possible, but now he gets this Bears defense, and he's the Browns are on their third and fourth offensive tackle as well. Um, and the Bears defense, not only first in yards per carry opposing running backs, but also since Jalen Johnson returned in week six, they're first in the league in yards per attempt allowed through the air. So miserable spot for the Browns offense. But my play is DJ Moore just because of the injuries that are happening in the Browns secondary. Last week, Moore was a cash game play. This week, no one's going to play him. And he's still averaging 21 fantasy points in games he plays with Justin Fields. So just some just a good play you can sneak by. Yeah, he's actually projecting as a top value on 4 for 4, which usually translates to both cash play and high ownership. Um, neither of those things this week. So uh, I like that call a lot because it lines up with value that isn't getting played, which is very rare. Um, speaking of value, Jaden Reed is like the value wide receiver of the week. Probably, like, I wrote up to Marcus Robinson early, but probably have to scratch him by Sunday for a cash game play. We'll see how that plays out. Um, Jaden Reed is the cash game play of the week. Uh, Daigle, your um, tight end. As I talked about earlier, it is Taysom Hill. Again, we're going to play this one down to the wire based on the injury reports, but if Jamal Williams is out, it's Alvin Kamara out back there. They're going to play so many different things with Hill. He's going to play every method possible. He's going to play in every package. I know they scored 28 points, but a lot of that, their defense helped out against the Panthers as well. Yeah, they had short fields to work with. The red zone offense still struggled with Derek Carr under there, who had, you know, you look up and he had 37 yards. So uh, Taysom Hill, for me, is still an amazing play this week. Derek Carr, man. Uh, <laughs> Karain, your tight end sticking with that beautiful pass game we love this week. Yeah, I was gonna. I was thinking about saying Jake Ferguson, but it's just tough for me to. I don't really want to be invested in that game environment, and I don't mm -hmm. love him as a one-off. But he's someone that's on my radar. But I'm I'm gonna go with George Kittle. Um, I also like Trey McBride, but he's gonna be much much chalkier. 
Kittle is just, I mean, he's number one. He's tight end one in yards per out run, 2.25 yards per out run. Uh, he's, he's getting open at a really high rate. He leads all tight ends in route participation at 88%. Um, if, if the 49ers are aggressive and attack uh, through the air here, and even if like they aren't that aggressive, but they can just put up points um, so easily, if that happens to go through the air, if they're attacking downfield, then Kittle could have a huge game. I also, you know, maybe maybe they're trying to get Purdy the MVP, you know? Just, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. They um well, they they tried to keep Christian McCaffrey's touchdown record intact, uh, even with backups and, and third stringers in the game. Last week we saw Debo Samuel. He's the one who got them to the one-yard line. And then Kyle Shanahan just gave him a carry from the one-yard line saying, this is your touchdown, you have it. What if they are quite literally trying to get part of the MVP? That's something Shanahan would do. Let's go. I like that call. Um, at tight end, uh, just who, whoever fits. If you can fit McBride, get him. If not, go down to Kraft. It's that simple. Uh, DST, Corrine? Uh, who'd I say? Oh, I forgot to pick somebody. It's all right. We got go Jets, ahead. we got Dolphins, we got Rams, we got Punt Panthers, uh, we got Chiefs. Punt Bills in a in a weird game environment. Mm, what do I say? I mean, you could all you can't. So you think the Browns are too banged up to play Diggle? Mm, they're still the Browns. They could still do something. And they're still the Bears. That's that's kind of what it is for me. They're still <laughs> yeah. the Bears. Yeah. Um, you know. It's gonna take sacks. They kicked. They kicked the Lions' look. ass, though, man. They did, but the Lions' defense is pretty bad. Oh yeah, that's something we've been calling for two months now. They're terrible. <laughs> da, like everyone was making the joke that Keenan Allen or Justin Herbert should get MVP for the Chargers' performance last last night, but Dan Campbell should get Coach of the Year for getting that team nine wins because they're terrible. They're <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, I I have one that's kind of interesting. Um. What about the Rams? The Rams as like a different because so the tough part is that um, the major chalk piece will be Kyron, not the passing game. But the passing game will come with some ownership. So if you go Kyron Rams D, are you? Yeah, uh, no, I have I have Rams as a cash defense, but we don't have a mega chalk defense this week, so you can play whoever you want. So at least that you're like making a clearer stand on the way the game yes. plays out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Rams are a great call. Um, Daigle? I think if you spend up, the Titans are one of the more interesting spend ups against Davis Mills. If you spend down, the Jets are pretty obvious against this banged up Dolphins team. But in between, the Giants kind of sit there against Derek Carr. They're going to blitz his absolute face off. And if everyone's injured, maybe that's just a way to also fade whoever – whatever the portion of the field is playing saints players. So I think I like the Giants defense quite a bit. Um, salaries are kind of all over the place this week for DST is across the sites. Um, again, like we got the big favorites, but I don't think you need to force any DST in, in these weeks when we don't know, I say you just punt and punt down to the jets. I think is the moving cash game this week. Um, they're probably going to be my DST of the week. 3,600 Fandle 2,500 DK. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we have a lot of slates coming up over the next couple of weeks. All of the content for the Saturday slates is already up on the site at 4 for 4 We will have content for both the two-game Saturday slate next week and the three-game Monday Christmas Day slate. Um, but as always, DFS MVP Podcast will be focused on those main slates. If you're watching on YouTube, 
please like and subscribe uh, to the channel as well as hitting that alert button so you know when we go live. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating and review. If you look in the YouTube description, we have links to the discounted 4 for 4 subscription, links to sign up for Solver, and of course, links to Legendary Upside Crane. Remind everybody what you got going on over there. Yeah, legendaryupside.com. I'll have the walkthrough for everybody very soon. And I've also got a bunch of playoff best ball content, as I mentioned at the top. Uh, Sacrilegious, uh, a new author for Legendary Upside, just posted a guide there uh, yesterday on the playoff best ball um, kind of approach, which is it's like a really interesting kind of game theory game. You know, it's kind of like we have to pay attention to like week 17 for the best ball, you know, the best ball mania type format, but like way, way, way more important to, to keep those, to keep like the rules of the game front of mind. And a lot of the field isn't doing it. So I think it's a, a game where there's a huge edge. Um, we've got premium podcasts over there. We're going to be rolling out a tool to help like a kind of draft companion um, app that will uh, kind of a second screen companion tool that we're uh, going to be getting out next week. So it's basically dynamic rankings. So you'll, you'll be able to put in who you've taken and it'll kind of update the rankings to reflect essentially like what scenarios you are implying that you think are going to happen. Who's going to make the Super Bowl? Who's going to make the conference championship? The tool will kind of help you. Um, it'll kind of help crunch some of that math for you and and update the legendary up, upside rankings with uh, with those scenarios in mind. So testing that right now but uh i'm very excited for uh if you're you know how you're gonna like this this tool if you're doing any uh legendary if you're doing any playoff best ball drafts and then i'll also mention it's powered by uh the sims over at spike week they've simmed out the likely matchups for for each of the rounds so um you know i think it's something you can pair up with if you're using any of their tools it's like a, a helpful layer on to to that stuff too Shout out to the boys over at Spike Week, one of the best best ball products in the land, and obviously that's going to translate over to the playoff product. Highly recommend getting over there with Karain. The playoff games uh, aren't many games we have where they're still an edge and people don't know what they're doing, and this is one of them. So uh, get over there, make some money uh, since you're spending it all this holiday season. As always, if you want more of us, you can find us on X slash Twitter. Pat is at Pat Corain. Legendary Upside is at Legendary Upside. Daigle is at not Jay Daigle. 4 for 4 is at 4 for 4 Football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys on Sunday morning in Discord.